I'm thankful. I'm thankful for all the brethren that are that are here. I'm thankful for the good times and for Yahweh's feast. He's he's um he's got it all worked out. It's just one big you know eight day vacation or seven day vacation for for his for his people to gather together and to fellowship with one another. I'm thankful for that. We come out of the the world, I guess. So we had to get rid of the pagan days, and we wouldn't have anything if Yahweh didn't give us any feast days to keep. So we're thankful for it. I've been uh, I've been teaching through the Book of James, and we're going real slow, but we're going all the same. So um, in the last three or four weeks, I've, I've been teaching through the first chapter. And last week, last time I taught, we covered uh, verses 13 through 18 in the first chapter, and we we just discussed several things in these verses. But by way of review, we mainly talked about how how mankind always tries to blame someone else for his problems or someone else for his downfalls or temptations. Most of the time, people blame Yahweh indirectly. It's not usually directly. They don't usually call Yahweh out, but indirectly they blame Yahweh because of the circumstances or the situations that Yahweh's allowed them to be in. They, they like to blame Yahweh for this. We would say something like this. We say, Yahweh created us and our situations, and therefore it's really his fault that I, that I fell into the temptations that I fell into. But in the book of James, <clears throat> he completely forbids this in verse 13 when he says, Let no one say that I'm tempted by Yahweh. Instead, he goes on in verse 14 and 15 to give us the recipe for the sin and temptation. And he tells us that in our humanity, it's our humanity that causes our sin, not the Holy One of Israel. It's our downfall, our, our desire after, after lustful things that cause our downfall. That's what causes our temptation. He tells us that a man is tempted when he gives into his own evil desires and allows sin to conceive, and then that sin grows and eventually it produces death. James goes on in verse 16 and 17 to tell us not to be deceived that it's not Yahweh that causes our downfall because every good and perfect gift is from above. It has always been like this because Yahweh is the same. He does not change. We talked about the scripture in Malachi last time I talked. Says that he's that he's the same. He changes not. He is Yahweh. He's not man. He doesn't change. <clears throat> James gives an analogy of Yahweh compared to the celestial lights, showing that Yahweh doesn't turn or change. He doesn't make shadows. He doesn't cast shadows like the lights in the heavens. How the how the moon and the sun they interact and they cast shadows. And he says Yahweh's not like that. He's the same all the time, just like a bright and shining star. He's, he's the same. He doesn't change. A little different, I guess, than a bright and shining star. Then finally, in verse 18, James gives us the final proof that it was not Yahweh's plan for us ever to be tempted, leading us into sin, but rather it's his will that we are made new by the message of truth, that we may be his first fruits. And in short, we learn that the very nature of being made new like this is being regenerated by Yahweh. And that trumps any idea that Yahweh ever is the cause of our temptation. If it's Yahweh's design and his will that we be made new, then it's not Yahweh that causes us to fall. So even though we covered verse 18 last time, I'd like to take some some more time this week to elaborate a little more on it. I believe there's a tons that we can learn from verse 18, and I I had to teach it last week to finish my message in short, but I but I didn't get into it the way that I want to. And I know that what I say tonight will probably be a touchy subject for a lot of people, so let me give you a disclaimer like Tim would. This may not be everybody's opinion on who Yahweh is 
and how Yahweh works, but it is my opinion, and I believe that the Bible teaches, and then I will do, I will teach it completely from the Bible. I'm not giving you my, I'm not giving you my opinion. These are all scriptures that that um, I'm giving you. So if you don't agree with me, one of one of two things takes place: either you don't accept the scripture, or either I'm, I'm misunderstanding the scripture. So, so understand understand this: that I'm not trying to step on anybody's toes when I teach this teach these verses I'm just teaching it because I have to it's in the book of James and I'm going through it and so I can't leave it undone I'm not going to jump the scripture just because it might be a little bit touchy for some people so anyway I'm not going to read all of James 1 again we've we've been doing that I just want to read verse 18 and uh, so if you if you got your scriptures turn to turn to James in the first chapter in the 18th verse and we'll start reading there verse 18 it says by his own choice he gave us a new birth by the message of truth so that we would be the first fruits of his creatures. Now, the, be- the beginning of the verse, it says, by his own will or by his own choice. His in the verse is referring to the Father. That's mentioned above in verse 17. That's a reference to Yahweh. It is by the Father's own choice or will that he brings us forth. Brings us forth simply means to give us a new birth. Okay? Or regenerate us. James says that by his own choice, he gives us a new birth by the message of truth. Peter reiterates this. In 1 Peter chapter 1 and verse 13 through 16, he says this, Therefore get your minds ready for action, being self-disciplined, and set your hope completely on the grace, that's Yahweh's grace, or will, that's Yahweh's will, or his choice. It says to be brought to you at the revelation of Yeshua, the Messiah. This is the message of the truth. As obedient children, do not be conformed to the desire of your former ignorance, but as the one who called you is holy, you also are to be holy in all your conduct. For it is written, Be holy, because I am holy. Peter is saying that our hope, our hope, lies solely on Yahweh's choice of regeneration that is brought about by the knowledge of Yeshua and the message of truth. And that's exactly what James is saying right here. The grace and the rebirth of Yahweh is brought about by the knowledge or the message of truth of the Messiah. And it's his sovereign choice, not ours, his choice. Now, with that being said, I hope we all know that man is not holy. I hope that everybody in here knows that. We don't think right. We don't act right. We don't speak right. We don't do right. We are wicked, wicked people who, apart from the grace of Yahweh, we're all doomed, every one of us. It's not bad enough that mankind's not holy, but even worse, we don't even know that we're not holy. A lot of times we don't even understand how wicked we are. Because we don't realize our own filth, we usually blame it on someone else. And that was the whole point of verses 13 through 17 last week. Because we don't realize how wicked we are. As soon as somebody brings it to our attention, we say, he made us do this, or she made us do this. Just like I covered Adam and Eve last last week in the garden, or last time I talked in the garden. First thing that Adam said is, the woman that you made for me, she made me do it. And Eve blames it, you know, then on the serpent. And and it trickles down that it's a that it's a blame that's placed on Yahweh indirectly, but nonetheless, it's it's uh, placed on Yahweh. See, the whole nature of man is wickedness. There's nothing righteous about us. No no person sitting in here. There's nothing righteous about us except for the works that we might produce as a new believer. But as old as as unregenerate people, there's nothing righteous about us. In John, in chapter 3 and verse 19, he says this, People love darkness rather than light because their deeds are evil. 
In Psalms 14, verse 2 through 3, David says this, Yahweh looks down from heaven on the human race to see if there is one who is wise, one who seeks the Almighty. He says, All have turned away, all have become corrupt. There is no one who does good, not even one. Paul says in 1 Corinthians chapter 2 and verse 14, he says, The natural man does not welcome what comes from Yahweh's spirit because it's foolishness to him. And in Romans chapter 3, Paul's quoting from Psalms 14, which I just read. But he adds to it and he says, and I just read that, he, he adds to it and he says, Man's throat is an open grave. They deceive with their tongues. Viper venom is under their lips. Their mouth is full of cursing and bitterness. Their feet are swift to shed blood. Ruin and wretchedness are in their paths, and the path of peace they have not known. There is no fear of Yahweh before their eyes. This is mankind that we are. This is how wicked we are. Ephesians 2 and verse 1 through 3, it says this, And you were dead in your trespasses and sins, in which you previously walked according to the worldly age. This is before you regenerated. We too lived among them in our fleshly desires, carrying out the inclinations of our flesh and thoughts, and by nature we were children under wrath. And here Paul mentions that the deadness, again, of the human, the humanity, I guess, or the humanly state, the deadness of our state, dead in our trespasses and sin and in need of a new life. He says we walk according to the worldly age. In other words, our life is dictated by the course of the world and not by Yahweh. That's what a wicked man does. He says by nature we are children of wrath, and that makes us targets for Yahweh's judgment. Now I could go on and on and on about how wicked man is, but four spots, I think, is enough. It only needs to say that we're wicked one time. And it said, I could go on about it, but I think you can see from the few verses that's, that's enough. We're depraved, we're in despair, and we need help. The point of showing you all this is simple. Yahweh's holy, but man's not. But in order to have a right relationship with Yahweh, we have to be holy. And since we certainly are not on our own, we need to be changed. We need to be recreated. Now, we can't buy new clothes and accomplish this or take a bath and start to smell better. It's not going to work. We can't take speech class and learn how to talk a little better or etiquette classes and learn how to act a little better. This is not a pin or ribbon on a pig show. You can't make it look good. We need to be made new, and we need to re be recreated from the inside out. We can't, uh, we can't just freshen ourselves up. We've got to be made new, and holiness under Yahweh begins on the inside, not on the outside. Now, Scripture backs this up. I just showed you how wicked we are, and we know that we can't change ourselves. We don't even want to change on our own. That's not even, that's not even our desire. But Paul said the natural man doesn't even welcome Yahweh's spirit. Jeremiah says in, thir in chapter 13 and verse 23, he says this, Can the Cushite change his skin or a leopard change his spots? If so, you might be able to do what is good, you who are instructed by evil. We are only evil, so since we know we can't change ourselves and we know that our fleshly nature doesn't even want to change, then we, then we see that we will need something to do it for us, I think. We've got to have somebody change us or something change us. It's not, a, it's not in ourselves to do such. Something's got to help us. Yahweh knows it, this also. So in Jeremiah chapter 31 and verse 31, Yahweh writes through the prophet Jeremiah. He says, look, the days are coming. Behold, the days are coming. This is Yahweh's declaration. When I will make with a new covenant with the house of Israel and the house of Judah. 
This one won't be like the one I made with their ancestors when I brought them out of Egypt, which they broke. In verse 33, it says, Instead, this will be a covenant I make after those days, declares Yahweh. I will place my laws within them and write it on their hearts. I will be their mighty one, and they will be my people. It's a heart change, a change from the inside out. It's, it's not, you don't decorate the outside of the body. Man has to be changed from his very core, his inner being. In Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 21 through 24, Paul says this, You took off your former ways of life, the old man that is corrupted by deceitful desires. You are being renewed in the spirit of your minds. You put on the new man, the one created according to Yahweh's likeness and righteousness and purity of the truth. We put on a new man, not new clothes, guys. We can't change we can't change this outer side. We can't go around acting like we're perfect or doing what's right or striving to keep the law to make somebody else think that we're born anew on the inside. Yahweh doesn't miss this stuff. We can't fool Yahweh. Instead, at his own choice, he cre- he recreates us into a new man. And that is the new birth of the new regeneration that I'm talking about, the regeneration. The best illustration of new birth is given in John chapter 3 when Yeshua explains it to Nicodemus. And if I've already taught on this, so I won't teach on it again. But he tells Nicodemus, you must be born again, born of water and of spirit. And I'm not going to teach on it again because I don't think I have time. I probably would, but I don't think I have time, so I'm not going to teach on it again. But if you got time, go read it sometime. John chapter 3, Yeshua tells Nicodemus, you've got to be born again. Nicodemus says, how can a man enter his mother's womb again or twice? Well, the truth is you can't. You have to be born by something, and it's, and it's a holy rebirth, not something that man does. We can't be born of the Spirit by our own selves. Yahweh has to do that work. And what I'm trying to tell you is simply this. A new birth is essential. I say all that to say that new birth is essential. In Second Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 17, it says this, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, there is a new creation. One Old things have passed away, and look. New things have come. When you see somebody that's born again, they don't look the same. Paul Washer gives one of the best examples of this I've ever heard. If you, if you ever listen to Paul Washer teach on Matthew chapter 7, he does an excellent job. You can go check him out on you know, YouTube or computer or something like that. But he does an excellent job of that. And he, he gives an example of somebody being hit by a Mack truck. He says that a man comes into a... If, I'm, if I say this right, I'm going to mess it up, but I'm going to try. He says that a man comes into late for work one day and he says uh, the boss man says where you been and he says uh, well I'm five minutes late I got hit by a tractor trailer out there on the road and uh, he says you got hit by a tractor trailer and he says man your clothes aren't wrinkled and your shoes aren't torn you're not bleeding nothing's broke don't look like you got hit by a tractor trailer to me well that's kind of what people who claim to be saved that don't have a life change, that's what they look like. If this man gets hit by a tractor-trailer, he's going to look like he's been hit by a tractor-trailer. And if you have an encounter with Almighty Yahweh, it's going to be worse than a tractor-trailer hitting you. You're going to be changed. You're going to be changed. You're going to walk new, look new, act new, talk new. All that stuff's going to be new. Paul gives the example, and I didn't. I mean, uh, Paul Washer gives the example. I didn't do it as well as he does. But anyway, I think you get my point. We should look new. We should be changed. And this is this is what happens when, when Yahweh gives you a new heart makes you something new. Now, we just discovered that Yahweh regenerates us by his own will, not of our own, but somebody still might say this. This is a common statement. For people who don't believe that Yahweh has complete control over regeneration, they'll say this, but didn't I believe or didn't I receive the gift of salvation? 
Sure you did. Sure you believed it, and sure you received it. Let's look at John. If everybody's got their scriptures, turn to chap- John chapter 1. John chapter 1 and verse 12. I'll give you a second to turn there. I like to hear those pages flipping. Makes people pay attention, huh? John chapter 1 and verse 12, it says, But to all who did receive him, there's the receive part, he gave them the right to be children of the Almighty. To those who believe, that's the belief part, in his name. So you did believe, and you did receive problem is you can't stop at verse 12. You've got to go to verse 13. And verse 13 says this. Let's read it together again. It says, But to all who did receive him, he gave them the right to be the children of the Almighty to those who believe in his name, who were born, verse 13, who were born not of blood or of the will of the flesh or of the will of man, but of Yahweh. You're born of Yahweh. Not of your own. You're born of Yahweh. Yahweh makes you new. Who in here chose to be born by show of hands? That's what I thought. There's nobody in here that made the choice to be born. Not one person. Not one person sitting in here amongst us today chose to be born by his own free will. It was the choice of the parents always that a child comes into the world. It's the same way with Yahweh. You're not born anew without Yahweh choosing you and making you new. You can't choose that on your own. Yahweh makes you whole, makes you new. He gives you a new birth. Yahweh gives you the spiritual birth that will that will grant you eternal life. It's not something that you choose. It'll never work that way. Just like we're not born by our own choice in our earthly life, neither is a man born in a spiritual life by his own choice. It's Yahweh's choosing. Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 8 and verse 9, it says, For by grace you are saved through faith. And this is not of yourselves. It's a gift of Yahweh. Regeneration is a gift of Yahweh, not something you choose to have. Many years ago, a theologian by the name of Burkhoff explained it like this, and I quote, Regeneration is the act of Yahweh by which the principle of new life is implanted in man and the governing disposition of his soul is made holy. End quote. A gift from Yahweh so that the governing disposition of his soul is made holy. That's a beautiful That's a beautiful gift. Makes you new so that you act like a holy person, so that you're set apart, that you're one of his, one of his children. Brothers and sisters, the act of rebirth, regeneration is a miracle unseen by the human eye. Like Yeshua said, he says, we can't tell the wheat from the tares. It's only recognized by the aftermath of that the regeneration leaves. That's, on, that's the only way you can tell that somebody's regenerating. It plants in the person a new life principle and a new disposition that is enabled and driven to keep the law of Yahweh. It overcomes the deadliness of sin, and we're no longer subject to it. This is why Paul says in Romans 6, sin no longer has dominion over us. We now follow a new master willingly and eagerly, but only because we've been changed to do so, we've been made new. We've been given a new birth. We've been made whole. Yeshua said in John 10, I have come that I have come that they might have what? Life. What do dead men need most? Life. We need a total transformation and who gives it? Yahweh. The one that gives all good things in James 1.17, the source of new life is Yahweh. 
Yahweh's the one that gives all good things. He's the one that gives you the rebirth. He's the one that regenerates your soul. This is Yahweh. It's the grace of the giver that allows us to receive the gift, not the desire or the choice of the receiver. It's never the receiver that draws this. It's always the grace of the giver. That's the whole point of grace. It's a gift. It's nothing that you that you beg for, you want it for. It's the grace that Yahweh gives you. Let me repeat that. It's the grace of the giver that allows us to receive the gift, not the desire of the receiver. It is solely the sovereign choice and work of Almighty Yahweh to give the gift. So who gets the credit when it's all done? Yahweh. We don't get the credit, and that lines up perfect with Ephesians 2, 8 and 2, 9. He says that it's a gift, lest any man shall boast. If you did it somehow, if you believed more, you prayed harder, if you did any of that stuff that somebody else did and obtained salvation, then somehow you have some kind of merit for your salvation. That's not the case. Now, someone might ask, how does Yahweh regenerate us? All right, or give us a new heart, or give us a rebirth. Does he just come down and bump us on the head and shazam? got a new life now he changes us from the inside out he gives us a new inner being by the washing of the regeneration and the renewal of the holy spirit that's titus 3 5 and ezekiel chapter 36 and verse 26 through 27 he says this he says i'll give you a new heart and put a new spirit within you i will remove your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh i will place my spirit within you and cause you to follow my statutes and carefully observe my ordinance he always does this by his own free will by his own choice, just like it says in the first part of our verse, in verse 18, by his own ch- choice, he gives us a new birth. Now, the second part of verse 18 says he does it how? By the word of truth. By the word of truth. That's how, that's how it works. The word of truth can be just Yahweh's word in general, or it can be the, the gospel message. Take, for instance, uh, 2 Timothy 2.15. Paul says this, Be diligent to preserve yourself approved, to present yourself approved to the Almighty. A worker who doesn't need to be ashamed correctly teaches the word of truth. This word of truth is used in a general sense of Yahweh's word, all of Yahweh's word. But in Colossians chapter 1 and verse 15, Paul says, you have already heard about this hope in the message, which is the gospel. That's the gospel. That's Yahweh's word also, but it's the gospel. The gospel, I believe, is what in turn... Yahweh uses to regenerate the soul with. or That's the message of truth that James is talking about in verse 18. I don't think he's talking about all of Scripture included, and he could be. I'm not saying that he's not, but I think what he has in mind right here is the gospel message. The gospel as we know it is the good news, and a lot of people say, what's the good news? Well, the good news is a lot of things. The kingdom to come is the good news. That's the gospel message. I believe that's the gospel message that John preached. You know, is the kingdom to come. But in entwined, if I'm saying that right, or mingled in the good news or the, or the kingdom to come, is the life and the death, the burial, the resurrection of, the, of our Lord. He sent his own son, an unblemished sacrifice, that we may be saved through his perfect life, sacrificial death, and victorious resurrection. That's the good news. I believe that's the good news, that part of the good news that, um, that Philip teaches the eunuch, in Acts chapter 8, you know, I, I know that he's reading Isaiah chapter 53, but at the same time, that's the, that's the foretelling of the good news that will take place in the Gospels that we read. And when Yahweh sets out to give someone a new life, a new birth, to wash their sins away and to plant his spirit within them, he brings them an understanding of, of that through the knowledge that comes through the Gospel that's preached. 
That's the way Yahweh does it. This knowledge mixed with a sovereign heart change, mixed with faith, mixed with the washing of water, mixed with the repentance and the obedience to the Torah is the recipe for rebirth. All that together is the recipe for rebirth. Now that's why in Romans 10 and verse 17, Paul says, Faith come by hearing and hearing by the word. Let's read Romans 10. Turn, turn to Romans chapter 10 and verse 14. We'll read through 17. This is, this is beautiful that, that uh, Yahweh lets us understand that we have to call on him, that we can't do this on our own. Romans chapter 10 and verse 14, it says this. It says, But how can they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how can they believe without hearing about him? And how can they hear without a preacher? And how can they preach unless they're sent? As it is written, How welcome are the feet of those who announce the gospel of the good things. But all did not obey the gospel. For Isaiah says, Lord, Lord who has believed our message. So faith comes from what is heard, and what is heard comes through the message about Yeshua. All these things line up. How precious are the preachers? How precious are the people that walk and preach? How precious are their feet what it says. Faith come by hearing, hearing by the word. We, we share the gospel with somebody. In turn, Yahweh works, and, 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 a, and a soul's been made new. But why? Why does Yahweh make us new? What's the, what's the point in it? Can he just save us without making us new? Well, sure he could. I'm sure he can do anything he wants to, but that's not the way he's got it set up. So why does he make us new? The answer is in the last part of verse 18 in James chapter 1. <clears throat> he says he does this so that we would be the first fruits of his creatures. Now, brothers and sisters, I hope you know that we won't always look this way. The earth won't always be this way. We'll be made new. We'll be, we'll be made new. Let's look at, um, first, this is the last one I asked you to turn to, but look at 1 Corinthians chapter 15 and verse 50. This might be one of my favorite passages in the, in all the Bible. We're going to start in verse 50, and we're going to read through verse 57. I'll give you a second to get there. In verse 50, it says, Brothers, I tell you this, flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of the Almighty, and corruption cannot inherit incorruption. Listen, I'm telling you a mystery. We will not all fall asleep, but we will all be changed. In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet, for the trumpet will sound and the dead will be raised incorruptible and they will be changed. Because this corruption must be clothed with incorruptibility and the mortal must be clothed with immortality. Now when the corruption is clothed with incorruptibility and the mortal is clothed with immortality, then the saying that is written will take place. Death has swallowed up in death has been swallowed up in victory. Oh, death, where is your victory? Oh, death, where is your sting? Now the sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to the Almighty who gives us the victory through our Lord Yeshua the Messiah. Who wants to be the first of one of these? These are the resurrected saints, and who wants to be the first one of them? James says that he has, by his own choice, give us the message of truth, shared the gospel with us showed us the Messiah so that we may be the first one of these, the first fruits, so that we might be changed, that we might be an example of what's to come. That's, that's, that's why he says it. 
Last week I told y'all that Yahweh wants the first fruits, or the last time I talked. I told y'all that Yahweh wants the first fruits, and that means the first and the best. And you can read about this, and if somebody's taking notes, you can write this down. If you want to study on the first fruits, I'm not going to do it today, but if you want to study on the first fruits, you can find it in Exodus 23:19, Leviticus 23, Deuteronomy 18, and Deuteronomy 26. And you can study on the first fruits in your own time. I just, I'm just i not going to get into it today, but he's changing our hearts and he's giving us a new birth so that we might be this very thing. We might be the first fruits. The word first implies that there's more to come. There can't be a first without a second, okay? Like when we plant a garden, we watch it grow until we get our first tomato or our squash, and then we set it aside for Yahweh. We set it aside for Yahweh in faith that more tomatoes are going to grow. Or more squash is going to come. We set it aside for that reason. We don't just assume Yahweh's going to give us one vegetable and then take it from us. But rather, there's a whole crop behind that one tomato or behind that one squash that's coming. I think that's what James, that, what, that is what James is saying here in James 1 and verse 18. He's given us a new heart that we might make it in the first resurrection that Paul talks about in 1 Corinthians 15. That we might be the first fruits of what's to come behind us. There's more righteous people that are coming behind us, but we want to be the first fruits. I want to make the first resurrection. Anybody else in here want to make the first resurrection? Now, with all that being said, if you tell me, if somebody wants to come tell me that Yahweh's desire for you is to be tempted and to fall into sin, in James 1.18, he says, Yahweh forbids you even say this, but if, if you want to come tell me that Yahweh's desire is for you to fall into temptation, I tell you you have a screw loose. Yahweh doesn't do all this, work all this out so that you're tempted. That's not, that's not his desire. His desire is that you be made whole, be made new, be made a first fruit, a righteous something that will inherit the kingdom. That's his desire. <clears throat> so in closing, verse 18 teaches us that Yahweh brings us forth by regeneration from the inside, and he does it sovereignly by his own choice. It happens when we hear the word, and he does it so that we'll stand out in the world as an example. All of this all of this is proof that it's not Yahweh that causes our downfall, but like our brother James says, each person is drawn away by his own evil desires. Remember the test of our faith that we're learning throughout the book of James. A person with true saving faith will accept the res- responsibility of his own sin. Keep this in mind the next time you're tempted, and when you start pointing fingers, make sure they're pointed at you. Don't point them upwards and don't point them at anybody else. And one more test of our faith, as we just learned from verse 18, a person with true saving faith will understand that the faith is a fruit of their regeneration, which is a gift from the Almighty and not of themselves. James is real clear here, guys. We don't blame anybody else for our sin. We don't blame anybody else for our downfall. We accept full responsibility because it's our lustful flesh that causes us to stumble. It's our, it's our fault. The only thing that saves us is the gift that he wills, that regeneration, the message of truth that will give us eternal life. And that's not of ourselves but of the Father. Every good and perfect gift comes down from the Father of life. And I'm thankful for it today. Yahweh, Father, I'm thankful. I'm thankful for this day. I'm thankful for your feast, Father, for all these people. I'm thankful that, that you are the one in charge. Father, I'm thankful that it is your choice because if it was mine, I would mess it up. 
Father, I'm thankful for your love and your compassion, the grace that are shown to the believers here in this congregation, and Father, through, throughout the world, I'm, I'm thankful for that. Now, you are a mighty one that is, that's got a plan for all of us, and Father, we just need to be obedient and listen to you, and, and um, when you speak, hearken to your voice, and don't, don't go our own ways. Father, I pray for these people as, they, as they've listened tonight. I, I pray that something would prick their heart. Or, Father, that, that uh, maybe I, whatever I spoke, that you'd use it in some way that is beneficial to you and your kingdom. And Father, I just pray that you're honored and glorified by what I did. So, Father, as they leave, leave here tonight, some are leaving and going home, I'm sure. And, Father, I just pray that you give them a safe trip and take care of them as they, as they go on their journeys. And, Father, bring them back here again next year for another good feast. And, and um, keep us where you'd want us, Father. We know that you're, that you're able to do so, and I just pray that you do that. We love you, and we thank you for all that you've done. We thank you so much for your precious son and all that, all that he accomplished here. We ask these things in his name. Amen.